Welcome to Scandal Water, where the tea is hot and the conversation lively. Your hosts, Candy and Ashley, will discuss a peculiar story somehow related to the entertainment industry. This podcast might not change the world, but it just might satisfy your thirst for an intriguing tale. Oh, it's that time of day. Tune in and hear what the ladies say. It's time to bend your ear when the silver screen appears. Stories about the stage and screen and everything in between. So come on and join the fun. The curtain opens in three, two, one. Stories and scandal water. It's where you need to be. Stories and scandal water. Let's pour you a cup of tea. Hi, Ashley. Hello, Candy. We are back for another episode for our theme of true stories behind hit Broadway musicals. And yes. guess what this one is? I am excited about this one. You know, right? It's I do. Six. Six words, six women, what? six destinies. Ah, a nice, nice Thank little, you. Thank right, you. You just came up with I that. I did. Speaking of the six words, mm-hmm. I wanted to play this, but copyright we're afraid you we're know, scared we, we don't want to do that no. so Ashley what are those six words that begin the song ex-wives and kind of set the I guess tone for this entire musical divorced beheaded died divorced beheaded survived love it mm-hmm. and I know you know all of this so what, what do those words represent well it represents the uh, what happened to the six wives of Henry the eighth yeah so if we go through it again divorced Divorce was Catherine of Aragon, Mm -hmm. beheaded. Anne Boleyn. Anne Boleyn, yes, the Boleyn sisters. Died is Jane Seymour, Mm -hmm. not Dr. Quinn, (laughs) the first one. Jane Seymour, she actually died shortly after childbirth. Then we have Divorce, which was Anne of Cleves. Mm -hmm. So you could say she was the first catfish, according to Henry VIII, because he (laughs) married her based on her portrait. And then when she showed up in person, he's like, never mind. And, and but super she, rude about it. Super rude about it. But she actually ended up with the best yeah, best deal. She, she got did. to be treated like a sister to the king. And she ended up with her own castle. And she got to live with her cats. It was amazing. And then we have Beheaded, which was Catherine Howard, who was way too young for him. Mm-hmm. And then Survived was Catherine Parr. So he actually married three Catherines. And two Anne's. Oh, yeah, yeah. Two Although Anne's. they distinguished, they made a comment at one point that for clarity and to try to distinguish them, they sometimes referred to Anne of Cleves as Anna. Uh, which is also how they probably would have pronounced her name in, in her home country. This is a very fun topic for Ashley and myself because we are both very interested in mm-hmm. this. I know I've done some reading. I know you've done some reading and you've mm-hmm. done you've done some TV watching. Just briefly fill us in on your history with Henry VIII and his wives. How do you know about them? I've always been interested in them. I've read the other Boleyn sister. I read something. Uh, Philippa Gregory, is that her name? Yes. I read a couple of her books. Mm-hmm. Lucy Worsley, I believe is her name. And I'll have to post this in the show notes. She did this amazing documentary where she was telling us about the court of Henry VIII. And so she would be just walking around like a regular documentarian, just talking to us. But then they would enact a scene from their lives and she would be a handmaid or she would do this or that. And she'd say, and now what just happened is this and this and this. It made it really come alive. And that was several years ago before this musical came out. Nice. But I've just always been fascinated by this period in history. I've also read about biography about Elizabeth, his daughter, and I was not prepared. So I don't remember any of the titles, but they were all very, very interesting. It's funny because even being prepared, I tried to recreate. I was like, what all have I read? Mm -hmm. There are a ton of books out there Mm -hmm. about all of these figures in history. And I could not pin down exact titles. I was like, I think maybe that I'm not sure. The one that I know I read most recently was The Six Wives of Henry VIII by Alison Weir. Okay. That was one that I I even recorded it in my Goodreads app. So I was like, I know I read this one, but I couldn't recall some of the other titles. But fascinating and tragic. I think think we could almost say all of these women were treated. Yes. I'm not sure if any of them really got a fair shake or what they deserved from their relationship with Henry VIII. Henry was definitely a narcissist for sizzle. (laughs) (laughs) So before we start digging into this hit musical, which 
I this is newer to me. Like mm-hmm. I it's just I've only heard some of the songs. I haven't seen any clips. I haven't seen I know it's a concert. They're putting on a concert, mm-hmm. but I just I have a Pandora on Broadway and yeah. we were trying to think of musicals. I said, Candy, this music is pretty cool. So what do you yeah. think about this? And we both like this time in history. So we It was a great suggestion. And they made that decision. Well, we'll talk about this again, but they made the decision to put their soundtrack out. I think it was back in like 2018. I'll check my notes here in a second. But that was such a smart move mm-hmm. because it gained them a huge following, mm-hmm. kind of in the same way that Hamilton's yep. soundtrack really helped that to take off more so than it already, you know, was on fire but yeah the soundtrack having it out there having it accessible to people made a huge difference for them made them excited to go Mm -hmm. see the show yeah so before we begin i want to give a big shout out to a smithsonian magazine article it was written in october of 2021 by malaine solly it was called the true history behind six the tudor musical about henry the eighth's wives and one of the reasons why i want to shout out this particular article there are lots of other sources as well you'll see that in our show notes but this particular article was not only detailed it goes through each of the wives and I I pulled things you know about all of them but it also had kind of this interactive feature where it would show you the song that basically tells the story of each wife and you would have places where you could click and you could see excerpts or background information or maybe a little piece of the primary source document from like a pop-up video yes exactly I could not stop with this article I loved it so much so guys if you go into our show notes look at the sources check out that Smithsonian Magazine article because I think you're really going to like that one. I also, obviously I have not been able to see the musical, Mm -hmm. but I was able to find a Jimmy Fallon video from September 2021 where he introduces this as being their national TV debut. Oh, cool. The cast was performing the song Ex-Wives. Okay. Love that. And it helped me to see, okay, this is what it's like. The format. Okay. this This is how the characters interact. This is the format. It also gave me that song that ends up being very key to the musical because it kind of sets the stage. I was also able to find a video of the song No Way, which is sung by the actress who plays Catherine of Aragon. This was also 2021. It was shown on The View. Thankful for some of these videos that helped me to get a flavor for it along with the soundtrack since I haven't been able to see the show. I'm not recommending it, but I found one other performance that was on YouTube. Probably not supposed to be taped. It looked like maybe somebody... Was it a full show? No, it looked like somebody maybe had taped it while they were watching the show. So not recommending that. So what is six? It is a fairly short musical. Really? Yeah. It's only 80 minutes long. And the premise that you've already alluded to it, it's really very simple. They take these Tudor queens, Henry VIII's six wives, and they set them up as also kind of being pop stars. Okay. They're supposed to be putting on this concert where they are actually competing for audience approval by describing in song all their different problems with their marriage. Basically. Are they trying to vie for who's the best queen? Not the best queen. Who's had the most tragic situation? Oh, golly. Yes. Yes. Okay, before you, who's your vote? Before you tell me anything else, like when you walked into this before your research, who would you have said? Oh, that's so hard. Um, Before, probably Catherine of Aragon, although she gets to live, but like her story, mm-hmm. I have a lot of admiration for her. Okay. Now that I think about what happened to all of them, I feel bad for poor Catherine Howard. Yeah. What, what would you vote? Uh, probably along the same lines. I think that Catherine of Aragon had a rough go of it and she was so faithful mm-hmm. and that's what makes it so sad. Yeah, poor Catherine Howard. That She just had no chance. Right. Just no chance. By the time it got to her, he was very ready to kill at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. So I don't think she stood a chance. But I, I don't know much about her pre-life. So we'll we'll see. But yeah, yeah that, I would have voted along your same lines. Well, back to what we were saying. It's really not a plot-driven show show at all. Okay. The narrative comes out through the telling of their individual stories for this contest. So each queen, again, is kind of hoping to win by convincing the audience that she was the one who was most mistreated. (laughs) And by winning, that would earn her the right for star billing on this live tour where she gets to lead the band. So the actual lyrics from the song say, the queen who was dealt the worst hand, the queen with the most hardships to withstand, the queen for whom it didn't really go as planned shall be the one to lead the band. (laughs) 
So that's that's the premise behind okay. it. And by the way, the band is this quartet of strong female musicians. They refer to them as the ladies in waiting and they give Aww. them, you know, appropriate clothing as well. Awesome. They are on stage the whole time. They all have a stage name that corresponds to a real historical lady in waiting oh, to cool. one or more of the various six queens. Mm-hmm. And in this interview I saw with a few of the band members, the musical director and also a member of the band, her name was Julia Shade, she commented how rare it is to see an all-female band. She said, we see, we think nothing of these all-male bands. That right. is so common. Right. She said, stop and think about it. Right. How many all-female bands? When you talk band, you mean playing instruments, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Performing together. Right. No, mm-hmm. can't think of any. And so that, I think, leads us into kind of the theme of this show. It is not historically accurate. It doesn't pretend to be. Okay. Even in that opening number, Ex-Wives, that we've already mentioned they use the term that it's a history remix okay playing on it's a history remix okay it's meant to celebrate women on the website the broadway website for the musical it advertises itself in this way from tudor queens to pop princesses the six wives of henry the eighth take the mic to remix 500 years of historical heartbreak into an exuberant celebration of 21st century girl power. This new original musical is the global sensation that everyone is losing their head over. Oh no, 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 yeah. no, And then no. they give a couple of critics comments about how Who great it is. Who said that? Who was, they said that about themselves? Losing their heads over? Poor yeah. taste. <laughs> Poor. It's too soon. Hashtag too soon. <laughs> 500 years. I know, it's still too soon. <laughs> well, in in watching the performances that I could find, the ones I've referenced, and looking at all the promotional materials, I think they also tried to really celebrate women by being inclusive. It looked as though they weren't trying to go for appearance again. Okay. Or they didn't pay attention to race. They didn't pay attention to body image. I think they were really just trying to find these six women who were strong and who could portray these characters. Okay. The show was originally supposed to open March 12th, 2020, which uh. was... Oh, gosh. The very night oh. that Broadway went dark yes. due to COVID. What a bummer. Can you imagine? They, of course, were delayed for something like 18 months. It finally opened on Broadway in October of 2021. And, of course... It has been a smash hit. Mm. It has already won a number of awards. But one of the the shout outs that I'll mention is, of course, the Tonys. We all know the Tonys. This past May, it was nominated for eight Tony Awards, including Best Musical. I don't believe it won, but it was I nominated. I think, wasn't there a little bit of a kerfuffle because none of the girls were nominated? Oh, I didn't hear about this. Well, I don't know. I could be making this up, but I think none of the girls were nominated because that would pit them against each other. Ah. And so they didn't want to highlight one girl above another mm-hmm. one. So I think none of them were nominated, were nominated. other than the, the show as a whole was nominated. Okay. I don't I don't know any of that. I think I just remember hearing something about it. it. May have been a different musical, but I think it was that one. Okay. Well, the story of how it started is pretty interesting and and I think cool. It was back in 2016 and there was a man named Toby Marlowe who was an undergrad student and he had this honor. He was chosen to write an original musical that Cambridge University Musical Theater Society would be bringing to the Edinburgh Festival Fringe for the next summer. Now, Toby had a bit of, what's the word? He had a background that gave him some a leg up in terms of this. He grew up in Oxfordshire. He was a child performer. He was a songwriter. He had done school plays, but he'd also been in some small films or television projects. Oh, but, cool. So it's not as though he was this amateur who had no background. Okay. He took this challenge and he struggled with it at first. You know, what was he going to do? What mm-hmm. what did he want to base it on? And so... So it was just a blank canvas? Just write us a musical? Basically, yes. What? Yeah. So he didn't know what this subject would be, but he gave himself four guiding principles. He wanted to kind of hit some of his, his principles or his political ideas, his passions. And so he had decided he wanted the cast to be predominantly female or non-binary. He wanted it to have famous subject matter. He wanted it to somehow experiment with theatrical form, and he knew he wanted the genre to be pop because, in in his words, it's the best kind of music. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So he started, like, to think about all these different ideas. Uh, What about the Real Housewives of Shakespeare? What about giving a backstory to the Three Witches of Macbeth? Like, he Mm -hmm. was playing with all these different ideas. And one day, he's at Cambridge, of course. We've, We've kind of already established that. So one day, he is sitting in a class 
it was a poetry class. They were having a discussion on William Blake and he found his mind wandering and it said that he started to scribble these notes, these ideas. And one of the notes he wrote down was, and this is direct quote of what he wrote, Henry VIII's wives, like a girl group, uh-huh. need Lucy. So Lucy was one of his classmates. Okay. Her name was Lucy Moss. This was another very strong performer type person who was in college with him. She had a strong dance background. So at an early age, she had taken ballet in a church hall. She had began choreographing shows with her friends and she spent two years in dance training at a musical theater school before she had enrolled at Cambridge. So she was bringing kind of this other side to it. Okay. All right. Just as an FYI, one of the reasons why both of them had ended up at Cambridge, they said, was because it had such a strong student theater scene that it helped to launch people like Ian McKellen, Emma Thompson, and Eddie Redmayne. So that's where they are and that's what's happening. So Toby approaches Lucy with this idea of reimagining Henry VIII's wives and creating a Tudor-themed pop musical. That's how he phrased it. And she agreed. It said that they started trying to write this thing together. They would write in short bursts. Sometimes it would be a weekend over at Toby's family house. Sometimes they would be in a college room trying to write this thing together. Now, what are they writing? The lyrics or are they writing the book? I don't know if they did the, the music separate, okay. I'm, but I think just basically the structure of the play to gotcha. begin with. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So a New York Times article included a few quotes from Toby and Lucy. Here's one that Toby said. Six didn't come out of a love of the Tudor period, particularly. It came from us having an interest in the representation of women in musical theater, having women on stage doing funny and hilarious things. And Lucy, a quote from her was, what we were interested in doing was reframing the way that women have been perceived in history and telling their side of the story. In fact, they use that little play on words that sometimes history. her story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, history, her story. Mm-hmm. She also added at a different time, we decided that we were going to write this little manifesto. It was so earnest. All these points about how we were trying to show that women could tell stories on stage and be funny without men and how there were parallels between the female experience of 500 years ago and the experience of people today. Mm, That's true. So that was kind of what they were going after. They knew from the beginning they were going to reimagine it was not going to be historically accurate, but with their goal of making it relevant today, making it resonate with women, kind of celebrating women, they decided they wanted to approach this in a very different way. So one of their considerations, they said, was they wanted to try to push a reconsideration of the wives' reputation. Mm. For example, we've talked about Catherine Howard. We've briefly mentioned her. She was criticized Mm -hmm. for being, they called her promiscuous. She was executed for adultery and in history, they've portrayed her as being kind of this very loose girl, Mm -hmm. low moral character. Mm -hmm. And they decided in in making this musical that they really wanted to show her more as a victim of abuse and objectification of men. Mm -hmm. You know, that they see her as a little more sympathetic than they think history has portrayed her. I think the same thing for Anne Boleyn too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So on the one hand, they're trying to maybe do some things that are a little more serious or Mm -hmm. have a, a little bit more purpose behind them. Mm -hmm. But in other ways, they really wanted it to be light and fun and entertaining. And they were very inspired by the pop world around them. So one of the other decisions they made was that they wanted to base some of their songs and their moves and and the characters even on things that they saw in the pop world. So they talked about one day as they were writing, they came across this video album by Beyonce called Live at Roseland Elements of Four. They literally sat down and watched the video together. And this was one of the things that led them to come up with this approach where they decided they were going to give each of Henry VIII's six queens her own queen-spirations. They were pop stars. These queens would kind of be modeled after in terms of their musical style, some of their lyrics, maybe even the way they dressed a little bit or how they presented themselves. To make it more modern. Yes. Okay. So they had basically chose two for each of the queens. So for example, Catherine of Aragon, one of her influences, her queen inspirations was Beyonce. So they had her wearing gold because she was the longest serving queen. They had Anne Boleyn in space buns that was supposed to be a nod towards Miley Cyrus 
virus. Everything was intentional. Okay. Yeah. And a little bit later, we're going to talk through each of the six queens, and I will specifically call out the queen inspirations for okay. each of them at that point. Okay. Okay. Lucy says the first time they ever did a preview, she said that the characters looked a little bit too much like their inspirations. She said Catherine of Aragon looked a little bit too much like Beyonce. Anna of Cleves looked a little bit too like Nicki Minaj, and they had to kind of scale it back just a little uh, bit because they didn't want it to be like a copy. Okay. They wanted just to kind they of needed show to that Disney bound instead of Disney copy. Do you know what Disney bounding I don't. is? So. In Disney World, if you're an adult, you're not allowed to dress like one of the characters because you could confuse the kids. If you're walking around looking like Cinderella, you can't wear a Cinderella outfit if you're over a certain amount of age. So Disney bounding is you would wear a black headband and a blue tank top. So You would wear the colors of the character, but you're not going to look exactly like the character. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So you show the influence, Mm -hmm. but it's not like you're trying to imitate. Yes. Yes. I like that. So in addition to using the Queenspirations to help develop those characters of the Queens, they also were very conscious of of symbolism. You know, everything Mm -hmm. meant something. So for example, Anne Boleyn and Catherine Howard wear chokers, which is symbolic of the fact that they end up being beheaded. Yeah. Yeah. So some of it's a little dark, but everything means something. Mm -hmm. They said they also put in some things just for cleverness or cuteness. So for example, there's a line that is said in the musical by Jane Seymour's character. She says, stick around and you'll suddenly see more, which is a play on suddenly see more from the oh, little shop of horror. So cute. They, they just really tried to be very conscious of, I think, appealing to the audience. Mm-hmm. You know, they wanted everything to be there either because it said something about the queens or it said something about the inspiration or it was just really going to appeal to the fans. They knew their audience. They did. Absolutely. So they said six was one of the 3,398 shows at the 2017 Edinburgh Festival Fringe, which, according to this article, is a citywide event that claims to be the world's largest arts festival. Again, for this production that Lucy and Toby had put together, at this point, this is just their school project. I think also this is where the shark's not working with Ian Shaw. You mentioned them at Edinburgh Fringe. See, nice little connection there. Mm Mm-hmm. But they had gotten their classmate, Jamie Armitage, to direct. And in this first production, they had a cast that consisted of students and also Toby's little sister, Annabelle, who played Anne Boleyn. Mm. They said they were still writing during rehearsals. Oh, heavens. But to promote it, they sent the cast out to put out all these flyers. They were actually wearing their costumes and they got a lot of people to come see this show. They said by the time they had put on their fourth or fifth show at this festival, it was sold out. They had people in line wanting to get in. It did not win any of the festival's big awards, Hmm. but it got some great reviews and it got them some attention. And it was around this time that they decided to record the score and release it in the fall of 2018 before the show had even began any kind of a a commercial life is how they put it. Okay. And it said that that six album has now been streamed by more than 100 million people or it's been streamed more than 100 million times is probably how I should say that on Apple and Spotify. That is actually old data. I don't know what the number would be today. That's from a couple of years ago. Yeah, so since it's come Mm -hmm. out on Broadway, it'd be even more. Probably so. They said TikTok has helped. Again, we talked about this large fan base. They call themselves the Queendom. Oh. And so these fans who have discovered the songs have also kind of started making some music videos and using social media and putting things on TikTok, and that's helped spread its popularity Mm. too. Yeah. So in 2018 still, with Lucy now working as co-director alongside Jamie Armitage, they began a tour of Britain, and it said that became a sit-down production in London, soon joined by another British tour and a touring company in Australia and New Zealand and this thing is taking off. It even ended up getting picked up by Norwegian Cruise Lines <laughs> who brought the production to their ships and it finally premiered in London's West End in 2019 and they said there was a lot of critical acclaim and this put it on the fast track for Broadway. And they're doing it in London. That's where they're from. I mean that's like home base, you yeah. know, well yeah. 500 years ago. Right. <laughs> a Hollywood Reporter review from when they had seen the show on Broadway back in October of 2021 described it as the phenomenon that grew from fringe novelty to London smash and a global sensation. Amazing. So before we talk a little bit more about the show itself and get into these wives, how about we take a quick little break? All right, let's do it. 
Hey everybody, it's Ashley, and can you believe that we are already planning for the end of our first season? Oh my gosh, how exciting is that? I know. So what Candy and I thought is for the final fifth Tuesday in August, which would be our last show before our one-month break, we come back in October, we thought we would take some questions from our audience. We'll do some wrap-up on some of the episodes. If you guys have any questions for us on our episodes or if you want to know anything about us, just shoot us a message and we will put it in our final show to wrap up season one. Either go to our website and submit there or you can message us on Facebook. And we are back to talk more about the hit musical Six. On the Six website and also in the playbill, each of the six wives is given a herstory <laughs> um, where they have a little biographical fact file. And they also name those two popular musical artists that are credited as being that particular queen's queenspiration. So basically you have that opening number, X Wives, that introduces the characters and it sets up the situation of this contest. And just again, to remind you, it's, the one who has the most tragic circumstances related to her relationship with Henry VIII is the one who deserves to be chosen to lead the band. But the structure is that each wife sings a solo that summarizes her experiences and then they kind of like banter a little bit with each other between the verses and they're all interacting but each one gets to basically tell her story. For example, as Catherine of Aragon, as she tells her story, the other wives are going to be back up. They're going to be singing and dancing but Catherine's the one who gets to tell what happened to her. She's the focus. Mm -hmm. And they said beyond those six solos the show also features three group numbers and some other you know little pieces here and there so spoiler alert just fast forward 10 seconds if you don't want to hear this but what happens is that ultimately the women decide they're going to form a girl band instead they're going to leave the king out of the narrative Mm -hmm. and they are kind of imagining this alternate future where it's happier for all of them Mm. they have this happier life together as this girl band Mm. so the wives tell their case in chronological order so we follow them in the order that Ashley shared with us at the top of the episode and it's funny because when Jane Seymour gets up there she says that she was the only one he truly loved right and and all of them go rude (laughs) yeah (laughs) we're gonna quickly move through these queens in order first queen Catherine of Aragon her song that she sings to tell her story is called No Way and her queenspirations are Beyonce and J-Lo and according to Lucy Moss they said that they kind of approached her character with a little bit of this girl boss feminism it's like almost like an anthem that she sings interesting yes wasn't her parents Ferdinand and Isabella that sent Columbus on his voyage? Good memory. You Thank are 100 percent correct. You want to tell us what you know about? No, Catherine? stop it. You you should have left it, and I'd have been <laughs> impressive. And now you've called on me to say more. Well, I think the only other thing I remember about her is that she remained faithful to him. They had a child, Mary. He gave her the impossible choice. He said, "I will let you." He took away her daughter from her and said, "I will let you see your daughter again if you grant me this divorce." And she said no. So she never got to see Mary again. Okay, I did not remember that, Mm -hmm. but goodness, that got me. Okay. She had to either align with her principles or see her daughter again. Wow. That's how strong she was. That's the thing that I admire about this woman. Let me quickly fill you in. Just I'm just giving you the basic facts. Obviously there are whole books written about these women, but we're just gonna touch on some of the the basics, right? She's the one who was married to Henry the Longest. Their marriage actually lasted twenty four years, whereas collectively all the other marriages spanned only fourteen years. Yeah. And she was actually, Henry was the second, this is part of what he used as his evidence that they were never really married because she was married to his brother. Mm-hmm. And then when the brother died, Henry stepped forward and did the honorable thing and then married his brother's widow. Yes, 100%. In fact, there was a gap there. She married the older brother, Arthur, Prince of Wales. He died. And then because Henry was so young, Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a span of a number of years there before they actually married. Supposedly, they were fairly happy for a while. It was very loving. They actually really loved each other, treated each other well for quite a long time until they said that the two factors were she could not give him a male heir, yeah. which is such a big deal in yes. kings, especially at that time period. And also he became infatuated with Anne Boleyn. Mm. And so when he sought the divorce, his grounds were that she had been married to his brother. So as Ashley said, Catherine was trying to protect their daughter, Mary. She really wanted her to 
have a right to the throne. And that mm-hmm. was one of the reasons why she would not get the divorce get the divorce, or say that they had never been married. Right. That their marriage had never been legal or whatever you want to call it. Right. Now, Mary ends up eventually, by the way, becoming Bloody Mary. Right. That's who we know from history because one of the reasons was she ordered 280 Protestants to be burned at the stake as heretics. She had her own interesting story. So they said the song No Way actually kind of bases a, a lot of it that the lyrics and and the idea from this meeting that took place at Blackfriars in London. And they said that after years of debate over the validity of this royal couple's marriage, they sent a papal court to try to address it that was called the Great Matter. And supposedly Catherine felt her knees and delivered this really beautiful, passionate monologue. I'm going to read this little piece to you. And this is the true monologue. This is the actual monologue. In fact, remember I talked about the Smithsonian. Yeah, I talked about that Smithsonian article where you could click. This Mm -hmm. is one of the things I clicked and saw this little speech. In fact, if you don't mind, Ashley, I'll have you read it to us. Sure. It's the part in italics. She says, Intending, as I perceive, to put me from you, I take God and all the world to witness that I have been to you a true and humble wife, ever conformable to your will and pleasure. If there be any just cause by the law that ye can allege against me, either of dishonesty or any other impediment, to banish and put me from you, I am well content to depart, and to my great shame and dishonor. And if there be none, then here I most lowly beseech you, let me remain in my former estate and receive justice at your princely hand. So they said that after uttering those words, she left and the clerks were calling for her to return. But supposedly without turning around, she declared, on, on, it makes no matter for it is no impartial court for me. Therefore, I will not tarry. So she knew like they were going to listen to her. He right. had no intention of staying in the marriage, right. but she needed to say those words. Yeah. She needed to say them for her and for future generations to know she said them. And the strength that it took, which is yeah. one of the pieces that, that keeps coming out here is while in some ways, what's the word? Powerless, I mm-hmm. guess. And history and her situation with Henry made her kind of a victim and somebody who really didn't have much recourse. This song and the way they approach her in this musical shows the strength and the mm. power this woman did have to yeah. withstand all this pressure. I mean, it was unbelievable. So they said that he ends up breaking from the Catholic Church in order yeah. to make Anne his wife. Right. But Catherine never gave up. Lucy Moss makes the comment in terms of the musical six. She says they were tempted at first that, you know, it could have been this super emotional, sad ballad, but they wanted to emphasize her defiance, which is why they emulated it after Beyonce's song, Run the World. And they wanted that to kind of set the tone for the rest of the musical, because this is what they said. The real Catherine followed through on her fictionalized counterpart's pledge to remain queen till the end of my life. She refused to acknowledge her Mary's annulment even on her deathbed in 1536 and this historian who was quoted in the smithsonian magazine article said catherine's legacy is that of a wronged woman who did not accept defeat who fought for what she believed to be right until the breath left her body wow yeah so i have a lot of respect for catherine of aragon this Mm -hmm. was a woman who tried she did everything that was asked of her tried to be the obedient queen the obedient daughter the obedient wife the wonderful mother to her child she tried to do all of it and just dealt with all the circumstances that were thrown her way it's so tragic queen number two anne boleyn the song don't lose your head is a quote cheeky number that they modeled after Lily Allen and Kate Nash. Oh, okay. Okay. So it said in the article that she's probably the most famous of the six wives. Would you most, agree? Yeah, most likely, yes. And they also said that she's all a little controversial because you see her portrayed in different ways. Mm-hmm. A lot of times she is shown to be the scheming, power-hungry, right. seductress. Mistress kind mm-hmm. of person. Yep. And they said other times you see her portrayed more as a victim, that her dad was basically trying to use her yeah. because he was ambitious. Maybe, you know, she fell under the spell Spell. of Henry. You know, she was kind of targeted by men to try to use her for political gain. Mm -hmm. So they said that she's shown a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's your thought about Anne Boleyn before we jump in here? Um, I I think she's been portrayed as kind of um, a mistresses type harlot type person that lured him away. And from what I think 
I remember they did not actually, or at least Anne did not want to consummate their Mm -hmm. relationship until they were married, which was part of the impetuous for him to get that divorce Mm -hmm. because he wanted to. So you could say that she was holding out because she wanted to be the queen, or you could say because she actually had some kind of morals she was holding out. I don't know. I'm not in her head. But I would think just from the time period, it would most likely be that she was more of a pawn of her family who were using her to try to gain power in the Mm -hmm. kingdom rather than this young child making decision I'm going to ruin the kingdom or I want this king I just don't I don't think it went that way back then I think more of the families use the girls as pawns yeah well they said that no one really knows because most of her letters and papers were destroyed following her execution yeah and I think I base it kind of on her last prayer and her Mm -hmm. last words either it is someone who has been extremely humbled or it is someone who was deeply wronged yeah And I I couldn't quote to you what they were. I just remember them being very uh, religious in nature Mm -hmm. and very reverent and very humble. Yeah. So one thing that the scholars do agree on is that the charges that she was accused of and what led to her death, her beheading, were pretty much made up. She was mm-hmm. she was accused of adultery, incest, conspiring to kill her husband. They just wanted her gone. This, yeah, because these, again, she did not give him a male heir. Mm-hmm, exactly right. And this is a quote from the historian Antonia Frazier. She said, they don't even know actually the queen's date of birth for sure. They said that can never be known with absolute certainty like so much about Anne Boleyn. Mm -hmm. Her song is Don't Lose Your Head and they said, of course, it's a little, I don't know, tongue-in-cheek. It's it's supposed to be a little playful about something that's very tragic and very sad, of course. But the reason why they did that is they wanted to make it a little bit more playful because they said that this is a queen who's been vilified in history. Like people really think that she was an awful, calculating, manipulative person. So they thought, wouldn't it be interesting if they kind of turned this on its head a little bit and made it more that she was just kind of just going with the flow like Mm -hmm. like you know she was just kind of reacting to circumstances and the situation her family had Mm -hmm. put her into and what was happening with the king and it wasn't that she was this awful person as more as she got caught up in things maybe Mm -hmm. and so they said it's it's an irreverent song and and they said it's very different than again reimagining history this is not how Anne Boleyn was she was incredibly shrewd the quote was that she was not only shrewd she was very well educated, well-read, well-spoken. So the song is historically accurate in terms of some of the things that happened to her, but the way that they personify this character or the way that they portray her is very different, of course, from Mm. the real Anne Boleyn. So they do say that she spent her teenage years in courts of Margaret of Austria and Francis I of France. She was also Catherine of Aragon's lady-in-waiting, wasn't Uh she? She was. She was maid of honor in the service of Catherine of Aragon, but she had this cosmopolitan, is the way they phrased it, this cosmopolitan worldview, which made her stand out. And Mm. then, of course, she was the maid of honor. She caught his eye. Her sister Mary was one of Henry's mistresses. Yes. But I think, you know, your point about why did she hold out was... Because she wanted the queendom. mm -hmm, Exactly. I think it was calculated. Or, Or she had morals. One or the other or both. Yeah. But they said that after he got her, he fell out of love pretty quickly. Quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In fact, it was only three years after their long awaited marriage that she ended up. I think it was like seven years or something that she made him wait. It was a long time. It was a very mm-hmm. long time. But it time. was also while Catherine was fighting. Yes, 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 yes. One little side note, Anne was the only person, the Tudor figures, how they phrase that, beheaded with a sword instead of an axe. He had an expert swordsman brought in for her execution on May 19th, 1536. So moving on to Jane Seymour, she's the third wife. Her song is Heart of Stone. They made this like an Adele sort of ballad. Mm. Sia is the other inspiration that was mentioned. So Jane Seymour has gone down in history, they said, as being the boring one. One historian said that she was intelligent. She was naturally sweet natured. And this is a quote. She had virtue and common good sense. Another historian, Alison Weir, the one who wrote the book, the book that I mentioned, she describes Jane as being, quote, endowed with all the qualities then thought becoming in a wife, meekness, 
docility and quiet dignity. Mm. So the creators of the musical really wanted to flesh Jane out more. They wanted to bring out that she did use actually some of the same tactics used by Anne Boleyn. She also did not have relations with Henry before marriage. So that was something that was a little calculated. Mm -hmm. They said that she also used her position to advance causes that she cared about. One of those was to restore the stepdaughters, Mary and Elizabeth, to a relationship with Henry. Yeah, she she worked really hard to get Mm -hmm. the family back together again. And she also spoke out against the closure of England's religious houses. So this was a woman who she's not given a lot of credit, but she actually was stronger than history has portrayed, we think. Henry did keep her kind of under his thumb. If -hmm. she spoke up, he threatened her a little bit. For example, one time he advised her to, quote, attend to other things, for the last queen had died in consequence of meddling too much in state affairs. Ew. So in the musical version, they show her as being loyal to Henry, staying in love with him, in a loving relationship with him. She is the one who died basically in childbirth, and she's the one who finally gave Henry the male heir that was legal. It wasn't, uh, he had one other child that was born out of wedlock. Right. But this was the one that actually was. Which is why they're saying she was the favorite. Exactly. She gave him the son, Edward VI. And they said that Henry did favor her. In fact, she's the one he chose to be buried next to when he died in 1547. Now she died in 1537, just 12 days after giving birth to her son. They're not sure exactly why, but they think it might have been heart failure brought on by dehydration and embolisms. Mm. And Henry did memorialize her as the fairest, the most discreet, and the most meritorious of all his wives. That's a a quote from him. Well, there's three at that point. Well, true. (laughs) (laughs) So six shows Jane as being the one he, the only one he truly loved. I don't know about that. Yeah. All right. Are we ready to move on to Anne of Cleves? Mm -hmm. Anne of Cleves was the fourth wife. Her song was Get Down, which was kind of a bit of a rap hip hop type thing based on Rihanna and Nicki Minaj. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Now in the musical, we've already said this, they they referred to her as Anna, which was trying to kind of distinguish her from Anne Anne. Boleyn. Mm -hmm. And also that's what they said that, you know, how they probably would have referred to her in her country. They say that she was the most successful of Henry's six queens after six months of marriage. This is exactly what you said she earned his enduring affection by agreeing to annulment which ended up causing her to be the happiest of the wives yes be- ma'am yep <laughs> she got her castle she got her settlement she, she got to peaced out Henry. Yes. Henry yeah it said that this is what one historian said and did get pushed to the side in a rather unceremonious way but she had a pretty good life mm-hmm. she was given several properties she gambled a lot she got to go hunting she had the best clothes and the best food she was loved at court yep that's what they decided to do with the song they wanted to make this a celebratory song they wanted to actually kind of make it a little quirky like she kind of makes fun of the fact that Henry didn't like her picture and that he thought he was misled Mm -hmm. what had happened was they sent this artist out Hans Holbin and he actually did portraits of lots of women around the area and Henry was enchanted by this particular woman. And when she arrived in England at the beginning of 1540, he was taken aback. In fact, his words were, I like her not, I like her not, after their first meeting. And they said he only went through with the wedding to maintain diplomatic ties with her home country. She was from Germany. Yeah. So... They actually included a song about this... Turn of events? Well, about the fact that the portraits, the the, the Hans Holbein goes around the world painting all of the beautiful girls from Spain to France and Germany. The king chooses one, but which one will it be? Those were some Uh, lyrics from that song. So while in real life, you know, the king was the one who pretty much disrespected and what's the word, dismissed... Anne of Cleves, they decided the song turns it around a little bit. She doesn't mind at all. She puts that portrait of herself that the king found so misleading up for everyone to see. Mm -hmm. It's like she's kind of celebrating it. After six months of marriage, he's decided he wants to replace her with Catherine Howard. So the union was annulled on the grounds of Mm non-consummation and... She went on to live her happy life, as you said, kind of referred to as the king's beloved sister. Mm -hmm. And that brings us to number five, Catherine Howard. Her song is All You Want to Do, which is supposed to be, now this one's interesting, supposed to be modeled after the work of, quote, young pop stars 
sexualized early on in their careers. Oh. So they were specifically thinking of that type of Britney um, Spears, situation. Christina mm-hmm. Aguilera. Yeah. Miley Cyrus. Yeah. Ariana Grande. Yes. And so her dress, they specifically called this out, pink skirt, high ponytail hairstyle, kind of reminiscent of some of the iconic Ariana Grande looks. Okay. And then they said that the catchy bop sound of the song is a little reminiscent of like early 2000 Britney Spears. Yeah. So they're they're thinking of kind of bubblegum pop is the gotcha. way they, they rephrase this. So they said that throughout history, Catherine Howard has been dismissed as this wanton woman who was very unimportant. She was described by his historian Allison Weir as frivolous, empty-headed, so a young girl who cared for little else but dancing and pretty clothes. She was very young too, right? She was. A teenager? Yes, very young. 17 or something. Yes, I believe you're right. I think it was 17. And and he's like 40s or 50s or something. Close to 50. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They said that more recently, scholars have taken a more sympathetic view of her. In fact, there was a 2017 book where they referred to Catherine in this way. Catherine was toppled by a combination of bad luck, poor decisions, and the Henrician state's determination to punish those who failed its king. So they do see her more as a victim Mm -hmm. of circumstance, not Mm -hmm. this evil, promiscuous Mm -hmm. woman. So she was serving as Anne of Cleves' maid of honor when she caught Henry's eye, and she was a member of the prominent Howard family. Her uncle was Thomas Howard, who was the Duke of Norfolk, and he had previously helped place Catherine's cousin, Anne Boleyn, on the throne. So see, she's kind of yeah, caught in this from that, same. back from that family. Mm-hmm. So about a year into their marriage, Catherine began a relationship. They're not positive that it was an intimate relationship, but they think so, with Thomas Culpepper. And there was a letter. They had a picture of it in, in this magazine when you clicked on the little interactive pieces. But there was a letter sent from Catherine to Thomas that was later cited as evidence that she had committed adultery with him. So in the song that's portrayed in the musical, Catherine Solo, they really try to show her as this victim of predatory older men mm-hmm. because it, they feel like she's just been used by Henry, by other men. In fact, you, you said it yourself. She was only 17, possibly younger. They're not positive. When she was beheaded. Oh. So she was already having relationships with older men oh. before that yeah yeah when she was younger than that so they were only married approximately 18 months and this is different from Anne Boleyn because while they feel that the charges against her were made up they were not true it is true that Catherine Howard had had some relationships yeah they they know that but again still young and they think victimized yeah a quote from Lucy she said that she and Toby as they were creating Catherine's character in her song wanted the song in particular, to start out kind of in a sexy, seductive tone, and then they wanted to transform it into a, quote, narrative abuse with echoes of today's Me Too movement. And so Lucy went on to say, it was kind of like us talking about what happened to one of the queens and finding a way of relating it to something that we would recognize as a modern female experience. One historian said that Catherine's life was so tragic. She was so young, and she really had very little agency over her own life. Mm -hmm. And this song is meant to encompass that. And if she was beheaded at 17 and they were married 18 months, that means he married or was interested in a 14 or 15 year old. And he was nearly Nearly 50. 50. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Final wife, Catherine Parr. The song I Don't Need Your Love is based off of Alicia Keys. Okay. Mm -hmm. A comment they made was that while she's reduced to that one word summary of survived in Mm -hmm. the opening song, she's actually a lot stronger and a lot more accomplished than she's given credit for. She was actually a scholar, a religious reformer, and they think maybe even a little pro-feminist back in the day. Mm. Supposedly, what she did was... Following the death of her second husband, she'd been married twice before, a Lord Latimer in 1543, she was ready to be married to Jane Seymour's brother, Thomas. And they were like, they were in love. They They, were deeply in mm -hmm. love. But Henry was looking for another wife. And when he proposed marriage, you're not allowed to turn that down. No, that's what another thing, a point I was going to bring up for poor Catherine Howard. It doesn't matter what you want. Right. If he decides, you have to do it. Because if you don't, he'll kill you anyway. Yeah. Or he could. Absolutely. Or he could have you excommunicated or anything. When he decides, he is the king. You have absolutely no choice. No choice. 
Yeah. So they said that this real Catherine Parr actually led a rich life beyond what you hear about in her song. That's what the song kind of focuses on is her telling Anne Boleyn's brother, basically, she has no choice. She's going to have to marry the king. So that's the approach they decided to take. She's telling him she can't do it. But then despite being forced into this relationship with Henry, they said that she made the most of her position. She tried to push him to embrace Protestantism. She encouraged him to restore his daughters into the throne the line of the Mm -hmm. throne and they did try to bring her on charges and have her executed at one point but she managed to win henry's favor back even after he had signed a warrant for her arrest so she was one smart cookie yes and she survived him although she died just a year after he did do you know why complications from childbirth yeah she got to marry her man and she died in childbirth isn't that sad it that's so heartbreaking except that the man that she wanted to marry ended up being not so great I know, either i know Do you remember what happened didn't he cheat on her or yeah, something he got involved with some other younger girl <sighs> i think this guy stop i know <sighs> yeah <laughs> Armchair Psychologist. Well, I have an armchair question for you. What do you think of their mm, process or what do you think of their idea to rewrite history? Do you feel like any publicity is good publicity for these women? Or do you feel like it's irreverent? Or is it rewriting history? What is your opinion of this? That's what I want to know. That's funny because we've actually talked about that question before. I think Mm -hmm. when we were maybe talking about Colonial Williamsburg, I'm not sure. Maybe, yeah. But I think that in this case, it's pretty clear cut to me that it's a good thing because they're so open about it. Mm -hmm. Like their opening song literally names this as a history remix. Mm -hmm. And they tell you that we're about reimagining it. So I think it makes it relevant. It makes it fun and catchy and interesting. And I feel like people will now go back and look at the true stories of Mm -hmm. these women. How many young girls would be looking at the wives of Henry VIII were it not for something like this? Right. I feel like as long as it honors them Mm -hmm. and is upfront about it and says, this is not the truth. Do not take our play as their true personalities. I want you to take this as a jumping off point and go and learn about the real women and learn who they were and see their strengths and decide for yourself that I can get behind if they tried to say this is how they really were and we've done our research and we know but it sounds like they were just trying to give them a voice Mm -hmm. and to give them a place in history because it always comes from Henry's point of view now let's look at it from their point of view so that kind of stuff I can get behind yeah I I 100% agree with you and the other thing is because they did choose to approach it from different perspectives different angles I have read quite a bit about these people Mm -hmm. but they're making me think about them in different ways Mm -hmm. Because when you when you start portraying Catherine Howard, equating her to one of our young girls who's being sexualized or objectified at a young age, it, it does make me think about her differently. Is that what happened to her? You and it know, makes you think of the gr- young girl too. Like, oh, now mm-hmm. let me rethink about Britney Spears. What happened to her? Right. Yeah. There, there's actually a quote from historian Jessica Staroshuk, and she's written a lot about six on this blog that she keeps. And she points out that these queens in pop culture, they've only ever been really talked about in terms of their fate. Yeah. How were they killed? What did Henry do to them? Yeah. And so her point is, instead of, and and the song actually names it, right? Like divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. That's kind of how we tend to think of them. Yeah. What, What happened to them? And her point is, this is making us think about them as actual women, as people who were part of history, who did things that have not been brought out, have not been celebrated, have not been acknowledged the way that other historical figures are explored. And so I think for that alone, this is a good thing. So who are we going to cheers, Ashley? I think it's kind of obvious. The ladies. The ladies. The ladies. We got to we gotta cheers to you, queens. Cheers to you, Catherine and Anne and Jane and Anna or Anne and Catherine and Catherine. Cheers to you. Cheers to you. If you love what we do, please rate and review our show. Or you can become a supporter by making a donation through buymeacoffee.com slash scandalwaterpod. Whether a single gift or a recurring monthly donation, it would go a long way towards supporting our work and allowing us to keep the tea brewing. At our website, www.scandalwaterpodcast.com, you can submit questions or your own story ideas, access our sources and show notes, see the merch we offer for sale, and more. You can 
join the Scandal Water community through our Scandal Water Podcast Facebook page or follow us on Instagram or TikTok at Scandal Water Podcast. This episode was executive produced by Candy Thomas, that's me, and Ashley Raymer Brown, that's me. It was researched and written by Candy Thomas and edited by Ashley Raymer Brown. A special thank you to Josh Martin, who wrote, composed, and performed the Scandal Water theme and other music. Matt C. Adams, who created the artwork, and Joshua Reith, who designed our website and provides ongoing technical support. As a reminder, this podcast is purely for entertainment purposes. The thoughts and opinions of the host during each episode of Scandal Water are their own and do not reflect the opinions of any future guests, advertisers, or clearly professional psychologists. Thanks for listening.